this poem is for my people. All that's beautiful in my nation be black, be singing mountains free of the earth, waning stone into nacreous cloud form, holiest dance floor where our black lives thunder, soul clap the sun back on. This shine is all us. In this poem entitled Soundscape, 51 Hallworthy Street, is about the street that I grew up on in Dorchester, not very far from this building. Rewind, Big Willie style, just the two of us. I hear the claw marks of loss climbing off our front stoop, cussing, tearing up the sides of the rock. I remember the 4th of July, castles in the sky, tiny rockets crying over my pops. Them stoop kids, I hear they grown now. Slang street, cop, snow, groundhogs march, get shot, they clap back. Our block had me here in death at a young age. But the corner is bumping summer, summer, summertime. And heat cracks wide-eyed smiles like yoke in the streets. Somebody busts open a hydrant in Hallworthy, swells up. Drowns in laughter, I hear it surge through my bedroom window. Speakers shuddering against the wall, we didn't hear them. Dwayne's hesitant hands locked, hug the hall door. Open that door, I think I hear a safety click back. Steel raids on marble, our second story stone and glass screaming blue. I catch a wish purr in my mother's chest, feral breast heaving for the sirens to stop else today. Mother us into song for the late night. As if that kind of luck, a blessing, a rickety twang, a red metal storm in the earth's mouth forever. R. Kelly's, I wish, I wish, I wish, plays on repeat. I hear laughter, lapping everywhere. Dante, Dwayne, Tyrell and me, bouncing from mattresses to floor to ceiling, PlayStation's crystalline music on startup. The roar of us, tireless, challenging day to open and close what we made of careful youth. All of us, singing time to shelter home, our memories, our joy preserved, alive. Thank you all for listening. Uh, yeah, those are two poems that are in my chat book, Encounters and Other Poems. Um, you can find it online. Uh, follow me on Facebook, Evan J. Cuts or Cuts Artistry, C-U-T-T-S Artistry. Um, I just want to share a few words on the importance of finances, um, which ties directly into this book. 
my dad left me with a quote that I think about often, um, and it is to monetize your intellect, right? Find what you're good at, what you're smart with, and find a way to make it profitable for you, to make connections, to, to build networks, you know what I mean? To, to live the life you want to independently. So I'm pursuing my art fervently. Um, and, you know, I went into college thinking I was just going to be a poet, but I find myself writing uh, articles for Color Magazine. I lead writing workshops through Writers Without Margins. You know, I'm trying to uh, uh, expand my repertoire and my skills, you know, in a way that is still impactful and still I find passion in, and that's all through through the art, through the writing. So again, you know, mull over that, right? Monetize your intellect, find what moves you, what you can make last in the world and see if you can make some cash doing it. Thank you to Lifted. Thank you all for listening. Enjoy your Sunday. All right, so uh, so welcome to another episode of Lifted. Um, I wanted to share that with you just to start. Um, this young man is uh, trying to do something different in the in the, you know in the spoken word field, and I think that what he's doing is incredible. So just want to give him a shout out. Shout out to Evan Cuts as well. You can find him on his Facebook page. Um, next, I want to just give a couple more shout outs to start. You know, I want to thank Sir Speedy with on Boylston Street. They actually supported us with the the banner. Uh, we also have Bodega Project that kind of stopped by and supported us with some equipment as well. So I want to shout out them. And I um, also want to shout out, it's like a podcast or whatever. So I want to give them some love as well so they came out to support us today. So it's been a fun day. To get started for today, um, we have our, our host, right? So we have a host, Albert McKenzie. If you want to tell me a little bit about yourself, Albert. My name is Albert McKenzie. Uh, we're currently with Frontier Realty. I'm a real estate agent. For the past 20 or so years, I've been doing mortgages. I was in banking for over 10 years, mortgages for about seven to 10 years. The last five years or so, I've been doing real estate. So I've, I've a little bit of touch in different parts of the market. And I'm here to just give um, a little bit of insight on how people like to get into the business of doing real estate, how to establish credit, and um, have some residual income on the side and pass it down from wealth from themselves to their kids. Yeah, no, I thank you out for joining us. I mean, it's really awesome to have you because I know you have a lot of experience into this, right? Yes. All right, cool. So then, um, and then, so we got out here and then we went and grabbed Lawrence Ronco with Ronco Realty. So I'm going to give your introduction, Lawrence, because this guy has been supporting me for years with good information. Um, I've known him for about eight years and ever since I met him, he's been very supportive with like sharing information. Anything I ask him, he's like, yeah, sure, whatever, go ahead. So like he always gives me great information and um, he's been in the real estate game for going on 40 years. He literally has about over 120 properties that he manages that are his properties that he's purchased as well as close to 400 lots. So I mean, for, for me, when you look at individuals that's doing very well, you look for individuals like that, right? That are, that are doing well, that are very, very, they love what they do. And more importantly, they're willing to share that information, which I think is hard to find, right? So for me, Larry, thank you for coming on. I just want to say thank you from Lifted. Thank you. You're very, thank you as well. So for, to get, absolutely, so get started. Uh, so talk to me about the real estate market. What, why did you fall in love and what do you like the real estate market? Well, first of all, I, I think it's important to describe and, and discuss success. Success comes in many different ways, many different paths, 
different opportunities. It can come from family. It can come from your personal goals. It can come from um, status, lifestyle, also money. And for me, um, success started early on when I wanted to start my own business, which I started back in 1983 and built my management business and went on and built my own portfolio of houses and real estate now in four states. So I think it's important, first of all, to decide what is important to people in success and what, what would really resonate to them as to what their goals are. It's important to have goals. It's important to have uh, an, an achievement behind you, something that you want to strive for, and then take small steps to accomplish those goals. Absolutely. So I know you had mentioned some of those steps, but before we do that, you had said not everybody can be in the real estate, right? So what is something that you have to have What is like to be successful in real estate? I, I think whatever you want to be successful in, it very is important. It's real important to be have a passionate for the area that you wish to be in. For me, it's always been real estate. I bought my first first house when I was in high school. Um, and not everybody does that, but that was something that I was starting to achieve and it was important to me to see houses, see the values, check out and, and do the research on the different markets in the different areas and establish where you wanted to be set up. I was originally born, born in the suburbs of Boston and chose Boston to be an area that I started my business in and has become pretty successful in. Where did you get this idea to begin with in high school? Like, who, like, where did that come from? Because, I mean, in high school, I know what I was thinking about, right? So what were you thinking about to the point where you were like, let me invest while I'm over here playing football and, like, doing all these other extracurricular activities, right? So what were, like... I think it, it, it started with family. Um, my father's passion it was to have a second home up in the rural part of Maine where his family was from. Our, our family was growing and he wanted us as a family to be close to his family and his roots. So it was important for him to have a small house for us to go and stay in so we weren't always um, bunking with the cousins and relatives that so we had our own house to use as a base and to be a close-knit family. My father found a piece of property that he really enjoyed and liked and, and was passionate about. It was, it was very similar to his roots in a particular house. It was an old farmhouse that had a lot of land. And we looked at the lot um, and he decided this is something that he wanted and we were going to purchase an 11 room house and with 20 acres of land. And we found out that the owner actually owned an abutting 80 acres and it made sense, did it make sense for us as a family to invest in a hundred acres with a 14 room house as opposed to a 14 room house with 20 acres. I was had two part-time jobs at that point and my dad came to me and said, I'm here to support the family. You're in senior in high school at this point. If I run into trouble, what are your thoughts about buying the additional 80 acres? And I said, go for it. I had a small amount of savings account at that point in the bank, but it was enough so that he felt that if he got into trouble, I'd be willing to support him with his goals. And his goals was to buy the house with the, with the 100 acres. So with a little bit of money in the bank that I had backing him up, and in case he got into trouble, we went for it. We bought the 100 acres and the 14-room house. He never needed my support financially, but it was important that I was there with him to support him and his goals for 
the family and the, the close-knit family that we wanted as a goal so we could enjoy the rest of the family, which was six hours north in the rules of Maine. So that got you, I mean, that's, that's a pretty good story. I mean, it, it definitely gets me an understanding how you was able to get to that first house and the importance of family and the importance of information that was given to you early. That way you'd have that information and it kind of brought you to the places that you, went, you know, ultimately got to. Um, so for me, like, you could have just had one house. You didn't really settle. Like you wanted more houses, correct? Well, I don't know if there were certain. I don't know if they gave you that type of advice, right? Or did they? I'm not sure. Well, it, it was a growing facet over the next 40, 45 years. Um, other parcels of land became available that was attached to the hundred acres that I had purchased over the forty-five year period. Not that that was a single driving goal, but it was all right. Now we've got this twelve piece, this twelve acre parcel. How about contacting the other people next door to get the 20-acre parcel? And eventually it grew to over 400 acres. Mm. I have a question. How did you get to having the financing to purchase for supporting lands? Did you have any particular type of um, a team or toolbox requirements to get to that particular stage? Team is important, and I think we can get into that a little bit later. But for me, to directly answer that question is I had two part-time jobs. I put myself through four-year education and then I went ahead and did my master's degree. So I put myself through school, again with my father's support. If I needed money, I could tap into it, but I paid for that myself for the six years of education. Um, it was real important and a lot easier back in the 70s to acquire credit. <clears throat> I applied credit anywhere that so, I could get it. So that's that was a big part, the credit, right? So right. that's part of the tool requirements. I think I was referring to is being able to have that credit to be able to buy multiple properties, right? So talk to me about the importance of credit. To well, you. I, because again, that was kind of a, a very important role into what you were able to accomplish. Credit is very important. Number one, you want to make sure that you're paying attention to your scores and you want to keep your scores as high as possible. And there are many ways to do that. And that could be a whole seminar on that alone. <clears throat> But it's important to know that that is an important element to make sure that you have credit, make sure you can obtain more credit, and make sure how you can get more at a cheaper rate. In the 70s, credit cards were just becoming popularized, if you might, at that point. So it was much easier to apply to 10 banks and get multiple streams of credit cards, which today I have probably over 30 credit cards. I don't know exactly how many I have. Mm. Just that you have the credit available, so if you need it, and the more you credit you have, and the more that you use your credit, it helps the scores. It also gives somebody that is willing to step up to the plate to give you an additional credit, a much more comfortable, um, much more comfortable for them to give you a larger credit <clears throat> amount of balance perfect so just sticking on that credit because i think that's the hardest part for a lot of people to really like do well with al talk to me about i know you have really good um information on how to secure credit so talk to me about an individual that needs credit so they can get to that point that you know at larry was able to have good credit well in my experience when i do banking when i did banking is that you have to have a good relationship with your banker with the bank itself you have a relationship with the customer service rep the manager and they have relationships with the loan departments. Now, if you have your money in a particular bank, you can get, um, you can actually build credit scores by either having a credit card with them, 
in addition to having a couple of loans with them, if you... And we ain't got no credit yet. No credit at all. Well, if you don't have any credit, there's, there's a way. There's, Talk to me. There are some banks that can actually give you something called a secured loan. Hmm. And here's how it works. You'll walk into your, in the bank and you'll tell them you'd like to get a loan against your own money. For example, $2,000. They'll take your $2,000. They're going to throw it into a, into a savings account and they're going to freeze that account until when the loan is paid off. Hmm. They're going to give you the same amount of money what's in that savings account. Got it. Throw it in the checking account. You pay the minimum balance every single month. Every time you pay, it's get reported as a regular loan. And then the after, goes build up. Perfect. So then after that, you're able to apply to have different credit cards or even going towards that first mortgage. Down the line, yes, you can. Right, because cool. every time you make payments, you build up the credits. You can pay off that loan. You can do it two, three, four more times. Because every time you do that, it shows you have paid off trade lines. Got it. And now you have some buying power. Because when you go to apply anywhere else or with your current lender or with your current bank, you're going to see that you have some form of established credit. Got it. And then you can take it from there. Perfect. So now that, all right, so myself, I, I got credit. Now I'm, I'm, I got my credit. I've been saving my pennies because I think we all agree savings are a very important part of all of this, right? Nothing happens about that part because you have to have two part-time jobs and then with the two part-time jobs, you get you enough money and then you get your credit going on. I buy my first house. What type of house should I buy, Larry? Well, for your first primary residence, I think it's important to meet the goals of what your requirements are. If you've got a family of two, a husband and a wife, then you don't need a big house. Maybe that you want to think about doing, and if you want to pursue into this avenue, maybe you want to consider a multifamily house, or at least a very small house, and something that's very affordable. And it's very important to work on that credit, get your score higher, and once you've got your score higher, then you have the history, and then the banks will be willing to lend you a mortgage. Once they've lent you a mortgage, then at that point you can then work on building, if you wish to and you're inspired to, building, building your portfolio at that point with additional houses, additional units, or again, using your credit and using your, your credit score and building your team with the relationship people that you have with the relationship with the banker, with the relationship with a real estate person so they can help you direct you to fulfill the needs that's important to what you want and what your goals are for a for your first primary residence home. Would I have a question. Would you recommend a first home home buyer purchasing a multifamily versus a single family? So if they're looking to build an empire of as Larry did, right? right. Just like what you did, Correct. would you would you would you well, prefer them to buy multifamily to get used to having experience of dealing with a tenant? That just depends upon the individual. Um, it depends on your experience. It depends on your comfort level. It depends on risk. Risk is an important word, and risk works great if you're using it in your favor, but you don't want to use it and step into something that you're not familiar with, that you can't control, that you have no experience with, and you need all of that to build into the risk factor to reduce your risk into the market. So now, all right, so I got my first, because the multifamily, I decided to go multifamily because I want to go ahead and try to attain more real estate, correct? So that's what I'm trying to do, because again, I'm trying to, you know, there's a good, you have a good, you know, uh, following here as far as what you've been able to accomplish. So someone wants to be able to implicate that, right? Um, or duplicate that, I should say. So someone has that first multifamily mortgage, um, they're doing very well, they had it for a couple of years. 
Now I want to get to that second home. And I think this is where I feel a lot of individuals struggle with. They got that first mortgage. They've been doing all right with that. Now they need to get to the next level. Talk to me about getting to the next level. The business, I, the business per I se. think now you're starting to build a business. You want to establish a business. And this is an area that you want to pursue in. I think it's important at that point to establish a company. Whether the company is incorporated. Um, whether it's an LLC, a limited partnership. Or whether it's a partnership. That's when you use your tools and that's when you use your contacts so now you're you get that information from your accountant if you have an accountant if you've had a house of multifamily for a couple of years because he needs to know where you stand in terms of and you need to know where you stand in terms of your profits and where you're profitable in mm. in this two-family house and find out where your strengths are and work on your strengths build a team which is a group of people that can help you to achieve to the next level you need your real estate broker you need your accountant you need your banker you need to establish credit all these pieces are components that are real important so now you can start a business establish a business and and be successful in the business mm. what are your thoughts about um using equity in your first property to purchase another one it's a risk factor again certainly it makes sense um it's important to um i think the next element that i would want you to get into is if you're really going to start treating this as a business then you're going to find that your leads are going to come from areas that you're going to drive the business and what i mean by that is what you want to do is you want to start acquiring property at a discount. So I want to get it to I know I can't, I love the next segment of this, but again, how do we find the funds to get to that point? Is you, that the home equity? So the home equity, you right? Built so your, wanna, you so built, you built, built you built your credit, so now you can get a line of credit for a second mortgage or a first. So mortgage. it's okay to do that. It's, yeah. Again, it's a risk factor. So, I mean, but there's always going to be a risk, right? But you want to make sure that you want to make sure that you've done your homework because you want to be able to eliminate the risk as much as possible or limit your risk as much as possible. The worst thing you can do is step into any field and not be prepared. If you're not prepared in any field, then you're going to not be successful and you're going to fail. It's going to be difficult and you are going to have some setbacks, but you don't necessarily want to fail. Got it. You can certainly overcome the small setbacks as long as you've got the education, the experience, the team and the tools to get you to the next level. Perfect. So I know for myself now I got I've done my homework. Right. And I think I have some equity built in that first home. And now I'm going to start building towards getting that second home. Okay. How, Al, I think you were you kind of worked with Lawrence earlier speaking about like how what some type of deals are you looking for? Um, you want to look for deals that, like you said, the discounts and discounts can form in different departments. Um, estate sales. Um, the owner passed away. There's no will. They have to go to court. The court says it has to get sold, and usually those get sold at a heavy discount Got it. because family members just want to get paid. They don't want to deal with the hassle of fixing it up, paying the property taxes, paying the mortgage, paying anything with a the house. They just want to get paid. That's where you can come in and make a decent offer, buy at a good discount. As an investor, you always want to purchase at a discount. The, um, the less equity, the more equity you have, the better it's for you where you can build more equity and you can move on to the next property and so forth and so forth. Perfect. Another property, another department is probate sales as well. Okay. You can go downtown to the probate courts and some of these houses again, um, they're ordered to 
they have to get sold. Um, divorce, divorce is another one as well. House has to get split up. Got it. You can look at, you can go downtown to the town hall, or you can look at newspapers. Mm. Every Sunday, grab up a newspaper, two bucks, and there's a lot of stuff that's going to get sold. They tell you when they're going to get sold. Nice. And that way, when you know when it's going to get sold, you can have your plan and get yourself approved up front, and then hopefully you can get a good discount on the property. And then, I mean, now now you got me motivated, right? So now I've got, I got the funds, I've got the equity, I've done my homework, I'm looking for the type of buyer. What type of buyer am I looking for, Larry? And what are the percentage on the type of price I want to it's, it's important as a beginner that you really want to find the motivated sellers. Um, you can go to your local realtor, which everybody in the world does, and you're going to find all kinds of properties that are retailed in value, retailed in price, where people have time, where they can market, where the real estate broker can market their house and it can be sold at total value or true value. And the true value is determined by whatever someone's willing to pay you for the property. I, as an investor, like to look at different areas where we can get and purchase the property as a discount. So that means that you're going to areas that are un, that most people don't go to, and that's the back of the newspaper looking under the legal sections. That's the finding out as where, uh, finding the individuals that are motivated to sell for whatever reason. You had a name for them, what are they called? Motivated it's sellers, motivated right? sellers. I mean, it's a real term, correct? Motivated yes. sellers are out there, and they're out there selling their homes for a discount, and it's for situations that you just mentioned, Al, and there's other situations as well, but these are called motivated sellers. Am I right? Right. Also, a bank can be a motivated seller. Um, it's at a foreclosure, the banks are not going to go in and do these repairs to these homes that need to be done. These, these homes that you're buying for foreclosures, REO properties, are not ready to be sold at retail. Mm. Certainly the banks want to get top dollar for the properties, but they're not worth top dollar because if a person has lost their home to foreclosure, they're not keeping up the property at 100% standards, which is required to sell at a retail level through a regular retail broker. So again, finding those properties that need something that is willing, that you're willing to step up to the plate to, to put money into the property to get instant equity. And a lot of those times, um, depending upon the circumstances, depending upon the location in the country, um, I like to focus a lot in Florida. And I find that if you've got a 20 year old roof, the insurance company is not going to insure the property because they're not insuring property that has a risk of needing a new roof. Now, the bank is not going to be putting on a new roof, so I will step up to the plate. I will buy that house for cash. I will put a new roof on it, and now I've built instant equity in the property. There's certainly other things that need to be done to IREO properties or foreclosed properties, but a lot of those are cosmetic that you could add to the value of the property. Those I like to buy usually somewhere around 60 to 65% of the value of the property. Mm. They, there's a timing issue. They need to be sold quickly. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about a divorce or a probate, which is a death involved in a, in a family member. It could be because the family lives halfway across the country and some of the location has no interest to coming back to an area or a house that you've identified that needs to be sold on a quick basis. You step up to the plate, you make the deal, 
work whatever it takes whatever it takes to make the deal happen and now you've bought purchased a house with some equity already built in thank you uh, talk to me about this because i know you have an opinion on this as well i mentioned he mentioned something called REO properties if anybody that doesn't know what it means REO means real estate investment owned pretty much properties owned by the banks Got it. it's been it's been foreclosed on for a variety of different reasons. Got it. But so for me, I just want to, I, I think that's an important point, but I think what we got out of that is just keep all of your options open. You know, I have individuals that say, hey, I need a place that's on foreclosure list now. And they kind of focus in just on that. And I think that's fine, but you should also keep other channels. And I think that's what a takeaway can really be in this. Don't just worry about the, the foreclosure. That's part of it. Correct. Yes. But you want to be able to focus on different areas as well. And you re- utilize all resources. Yes. Like no well, you, it's really hard to delve into 12 different ways to buy property. You become overwhelmed. I think it's kind of important is what, what do you feel comfortable with and what do you feel like you can handle and accomplish? Uh, there will be letters sent out to individual owners and in neighborhoods that maybe they're thinking about selling, but they don't want to list with the broker because they don't want 12 people walking through their home. They want just one person to step in and they want to sell their home. That could be a motivated seller. You could deal with people that haven't um, through auctions, which is properties primarily now that are bank owned, but could not be sold because they couldn't get financed for one reason or another. That could be another area. There's and um, more popular in other parts of the country is called tax deeds, where the county literally will sell the houses for taxes because they need to make sure that the county or the town has money to pay their bills and they will make sure that the taxes are paid. So the taxes are paid by going to auction. Um, there, there are so many different ways to look at different properties and, and different avenues to go in. I think it's important to kind of narrow your base down to a couple of them because you can go crazy going after 12 different avenues to purchase property. So 12, find, you know, tune it down to a couple that's working for you, maybe three or four, and then kind of Correct. utilize those and take advantage. Correct. Perfect. I think that um, that's better information I would have given. Um, Al, because you're in the real estate market and you're constantly working in that space, yes. you know, how, how do you support individuals into finding those, those type of opportunities? Sometimes I do a homework for them. I'll look in the newspapers, um, I'll go online, um, someone has properties, you can drive in the neighborhood, you can see if the houses have been taken care of, most likely they're probably not paying their bills on time, they're probably behind their taxes. And as, as you know, as Larry said, if these um, homeowners are not paying their taxes on time, they have a choice to either pay their taxes or lose whatever equity they have in their home and they're going to get foreclosed on by the city. Whereas you now, as a motivated buyer, you can pretty much knock on the door and ask them if they're looking to sell. They're either going to say yes, they're going to say no. So you're actually taking that initiative. You're not just waiting in the back for somebody to say, hey, I want to sell this property. You're mm-hmm. saying, hey, I think there's an opportunity here for you to sell. I think you'll do really well, and that's kind of what you do as well. I think it's great to be the initiator because you're taking the further step where everybody else is taking a step foot back. I'm waiting for something to happen. Whereas you can go in, you can have a conversation with a person, 
and you can actually make a deal maybe on the spot. It happens all the time. I love it, love it. Um, thank you guys for sharing that. I kind of want to start wrapping up. For me, um, myself, I think that it's very important for us to understand how like attainable this is, right? This stuff is not out of the ballpark. You can actually attain. So the biggest mind, I guess the biggest mind blogger, the, the, stop, the, the first thing that would stop you from getting there is I, would, I think we all agreed upon earlier is your mindset. Right. So, Larry, talk to me about the mindset, how important that mindset is, how important uh, it is for you to have that drive to be able to do these things, because it sounds easy. It can be really hard. But I think if you have the right mindset so talk to me about that, I I think it goes back to your motivation levels. Um, There are many people that are happy to work a 40 hour week job punch in at eight o'clock, punch out at four o'clock or five o'clock and go home and forget about it, forget about work and go home and do what they want to do for the weekend. Mm. There's also the, the mindset of people that step up to the plate to take the risk to do something a little bit more, maybe work a little bit more time, be a little more passionate, do a little more research and take on a little more risk. By doing that, that and then starting to build a business in an area that you feel comfortable and you have strength in now is the time to pick up and learn the tools get your team together and work together to accomplish bigger and more success perfect Um, I'm just going to kind of wrap up for myself. I think I lifted. All we really want to do is get this information out. I'm not perfect, nor is my team perfect, but I think we all want to do better. And we bring individuals like Larry. Again, thank you for coming out, Larry. I think the information is vital. Al, thank you for your information as well. If you guys want to be able to find them, let me know. I can contact you with them. I think they're really good standout individuals that really care and want to be able to give you that information, that solid information. So uh, let me know what I can do to support. Over here, we're going to continue to stay lifted and support. And um, that's all we have for you today. So stay lifted. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you. Appreciate it, guys. Cool?